0: Every year, tens of thousands of dogs, mostly beagles, are used as tools in deadly research experiments. Join me, your host, Ellie Hansen, as we dive into this issue and talk to all the awesome people out there trying to make a difference for these dogs. Best of all, find out what you can do to help. We're opening doors for discussion and shedding light on the facts. This is Dog Research Exposed. How do you sum up what it was like to be part of the largest dog rescue in U.S. history? By talking to someone who was there, in the thick of it all. It was mid-July of 2022 when I received a Facebook message from John Raymer, director of Kindness Ranch Animal Sanctuary, saying that he was going to be involved in the rescue of 4,000 beagles from the research dog breeding facility called Envigo in Virginia. Just a few months earlier, at a beagle reunion event he and I both attended, we had talked about the very real possibility of a rescue happening one day involving thousands of dogs and what that would entail. I got chills just thinking about it. Looking back now... It was almost like a premonition. The Invigo Beagle's historic rescue was a happy ending to what could have been the very opposite. All of these dogs were destined for a life of cruel and painful experimentation and certain death in research laboratories around the world. An undercover investigation by PETA revealed horrific conditions inside this massive dog breeding operation. I still shudder every time I hear about the undercover investigators' documented abuses of the dogs and puppies inside in Vigo, which filled 264 typed pages. I remember following the news reports as the Beagle's fate was being decided in U.S. federal court. I would run into my husband's home office every day with reports and goosebumps. It was like a real-life suspense movie playing out before me. Then, when the freedom and rescue of all the beagles became finalized, as the rescue photos began to surface in the media, I felt a strange mixture of joy and pain. Joy, because these dogs were rescued and were now safe. Pain, because I knew how many research dogs never get this lucky. Something I have been really wondering as I look through all the photos and the videos of the Invigo beagles being rescued is what went on behind the scenes. This beagle rescue was cloaked in secrecy. It was full of drama and intrigue from start to finish. Almost no one was allowed to see the dogs leave Invigo, not even the news cameras or reporters. But I knew a guy. John Raymer of Kindness Ranch was one of the few people who were allowed onto Invigo's property and he takes us step by step through his personal journey to help rescue the Invigo beagles in this exclusive episode of Dog Research Exposed. I believe words can paint a thousand pictures, so I'm so excited to have you here with us today to take us through your personal journey with Kindness Ranch as you helped rescue many of the beagles from Envigo. So how early on did you begin to get involved with this rescue case, and when did you first get an inkling that something really big was going to go down?
1: That is such a good question. Um, in November of last year was when I was first made aware that um, Envigo was beginning to struggle, and um, through mutual friends in in the rescue world, I was I was told that they were possibly looking at downsizing a little bit, and they blamed it on COVID at the time. And I'm I'm not one to to Really, second guess that. I, it's not my job to question why they were struggling. My job was to try and and get the dogs out of there that could be successfully placed. And um, Kindness Ranch had just rescued uh, about 140 dogs from a facility in Houston, and we were still kind of riding the high on that because at the time that was our largest ever single dog rescue that Kindness Ranch had ever done. And we teamed up with another wonderful organization based out of California, Priceless Pets. And that was kind of what alerted some other friends in the rescue industry that we might be able to help. And um, it was in early February of this year that... Mutual friends, um, uh, Justin Goodman from White Coat Waste, who I know you're familiar with. He's a great guy. Um, he actually put Sue Bell from Homeward Trails in contact with me, and Sue's relationship with Senator Stanley and the the officers out at Vigo. Sue called and and said that they had arranged the release of four to 500 dogs. And I was like, well, great, how can I help? And she goes, well, they want to do 150 at once because at the rate we're going, they were only be able to get out like six at a time. And four to 500 dogs, six at a time, was going to take forever. And they were aware of our big rescue in Houston. And I said, well, okay, I'll take, I'll take 150. And Sue, on the other end of the phone, said something to the effect of, you're my new favorite person, let's make this happen. And uh, so we went out and we got 150. Then we went back another month later, and I think total we got 210. And that kind of put everything in motion. Sue and I tried really hard to communicate back and forth between just the two of us while she was negotiating with Jim out in Vigo to take his excess or overflow dogs. And they were very, very open to it. But even then, still behind the scenes, there was stuff that I wasn't completely aware of what was going on. And then I got a phone call from Sue. Um, she said, could you take four hundred? And I said, Well, that would take a little bit of work. She called me about a week later and she said, This is getting crazy. Could you take a thousand? And I said, That's going to take a lot more work. What's our timeline looking like? And she's like, John, I have no idea. This is really beginning to snowball. And two days later, she called and said, Okay, we're on. We're getting 1,500. And I was like, This is this is a lot. I have to buy a new van. (laughs) And, and, um, so that was, that was when Sue and I actually started like frantically reaching out to other rescues. And it was really, really difficult because something of that size we, we couldn't go public with because it hadn't been finalized. We had to secure housing and transport and all of that. So we had to start reaching out to trusted partners in the industry that we had worked with before. And we kind of half jokingly split up the map as like the Mississippi was the border. And I would take everything West of the Mississippi and she started calling people East of the Mississippi. And it wasn't but a matter of days that um, HSUS and the DOJ kind of said, okay, you know, they've agreed to shut it down. We're getting 4,000 and we're going to take over logistics from there. And I had a brief moment of a sigh of relief and then absolute panic.
0: (laughs) And why did you panic? Was it the sheer number of dogs or was it because you knew you were going to be part of something really historic?
1: it it was it was a combination of knowing that i was going to be involved but i also knew that it was going to be a a huge huge event in the media and it was something that we had been working on for months and months and months so you know the the brevity of it was very real to us but the entire country was about ready to be hit with all of all of this and Um, you know, as, as you know, there were some people that were taking some of my press out of context. There were some people that were making it bigger than it was supposed to be. And my involvement in it from the beginning kind of helped not make me so much of a target, but as kind of a point man. And once the DOJ and HSUS got involved, there wasn't anything more for me to say other than I'm just taking some dogs. And that part was really nice, but but the notoriety that came with it was it, it kind of put Kindness Ranch under a spotlight. And I've tried really hard over the last three and a half, four years to make sure that we were ready for that. And I'm I'm grateful that we were. I think we handled it quite well.
0: So how did you prepare for this mission you knew was coming? Did you have to do anything special at Kindness Ranch? Or was it just like another day at the office for you?
1: It it wasn't at all. We had to um, improve the infrastructure of our intake area because at the time when the call came down, um, we were only set up to house about 15 dogs in our intake area. And so we more than doubled the size of it and bought all of the new stuff just for that and um our old transport van, the most we could haul at any one time in our large dog crates that we put the beagles in was only sixteen dogs. So we had to basically double the size of that. We went out, we paid it was just about sixty-five thousand dollars for a new Dodge van that we could haul 36 dogs at a time in. And then it was prepping for the influx of adoption applications that we knew were going to come, which we went from getting maybe 20 to 30 adoption applications a month to once the news broke, we got 700 plus in one day. And we only have, we had one guy that was trying to field all of those. And God bless him. He did a phenomenal job. <laughs> There was there was some really upset people because, you know, we didn't know at that point in time how many dogs that we were going to be able to bring out here. And um, I, I was very fortunate that Kindness Ranch was in a privileged spot that since we had been on the property before, we had worked with Invigo before and had an existing relationship, that we were one of a small handful of rescues that were able to make multiple trips out there. Everybody else was kind of limited to just making one trip. Many of them were even, they weren't even allowed to go on the property. They had to wait outside the gate and have the dogs brought out to them.
0: How many beagles did you end up getting in total from Envigo?
1: Um, out of the 4,000 or?
0: Yes, out of the 4,000.
1: Um, out of the 4,000, we were able to get 155. Total for the year we got 481 all from Envigo.
0: You took several trips from Wyoming to Virginia to pick up loads of beagles from Envigo. Could you describe to us what that first trip was like and what you felt the first time you saw the Envigo facility and the beagles inside?
1: The the drive out, my wife and I purposely took a couple extra days just for the brevity of it all to kind of absorb and mentally prepare ourselves. Um, she had never driven across country with a van load of dogs before. So she the the joy and and mystery was all quite new for her, which was it it was infectious for me as well. But then we made it out there and sitting in the hotel and, you know, of course my phone was just blowing up because everybody, everybody that knew what day was the first day. Um, I had press calling and um, other rescue groups were, were wanting to meet with me and, and like, I I had people asking if I could just take a carload of beagles down the road and drop them off with them and go back and get more. There was like this almost like a subculture of sorts that wanted to be involved. And although I'm sure the majority of them, their heart was in the right place. It was also just people wanting to kind of cash in on the celebrity of what was about to take place. And then the, the morning of, we all got our, oh, forgive me. I don't remember if it was the night before or the morning of, but we got the location from the DOJ of where we had to go meet prior to going to Invigo. And that was to kind of prevent press from following us out and just kind of our, our secret meeting spot, which ended up being a hotel in Farmville. and we we stood in a parking lot for about 15 20 minutes we we talked asked our questions signed our slips saying what we would and wouldn't do they gave us a rundown of what to expect when we got on the property and the drive to the property was strangely silent you know it was I remember looking at my wife and I I had tears in my eyes and I said, we're about ready to do this. We're about to make history. And she, in typical Katie fashion, she turned up the radio a little bit and she's like, hell yeah, let's do this. (laughs) And she was just completely gung-ho. And then we made it to the property and everybody had to wait outside the gate. The U.S. Marshals checked everybody's IDs before we went in. And as we drove around the corner, you could see who we affectionately called the suits. There was the Department of Justice attorneys. There was vigo attorneys. And it was like a standoff in a parking lot. Nobody was smiling. Nobody was excited about what was happening. They were all like prepared for the worst, but hoping for the best. And then everything was was definitely silent we weren't allowed to get out of our cars if we had to use the restroom we had to be escorted in we weren't allowed to talk to invigo staff and they they called us all out for our covid checks and that was when we were standing in it was a very humid day really really hot and humid and we were standing in line getting our temperatures checked And that was when somebody turned and they said, you're here from kindness ranch. And I said, yeah. They said, well, how many are you taking? I said, anywhere from like 20 to 30. And they were like, well, do you want to go first? And I looked at, I looked at Katie and I went, yeah, yeah. I'd love to go first. And they went, all right, well just pull up around the corner over there. And we, we hopped in the van and, and drove around the corner. And by the time by the time I even had the side door of the van opened, there was already people standing there in line with dogs waiting to hand them off to us. And I, I don't think I've ever loaded I think we came home with twenty-six dogs that trip. And I don't think I've ever loaded twenty-six dogs as fast as we did that trip. There was just a a steady line. And it was it was kind of funny because I did meet with a reporter from the Washington Post the night before, and she really, really wanted to know, you know, who got the first dog, and if it wasn't going to be me, if I could like text her and let her know who ended up getting the first dog, and then it ended up being me. And I texted her a picture and I said, "Baby on board," and away we went. <laughs> it was it was really, really fast and sterile once we got there, but. The build-up to it was really, really just tense and stressful.
0: What was the camaraderie like in this rescue operation? And can you describe what it was like working with the Humane Society of the United States? I'm trying to get a sense of what it was like to actually be there.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry about my dog back there. (laughs) Can you hear Uno? (laughs)
0: Is that Uno? Well, he's allowed to talk all he wants. I don't care. He's famous after all.
1: (laughs) He's trying so hard to get the other dogs to play with him right now. (laughs) So the relationship developed with HSUS, they were fantastic to to work with and communicate with. Um, They were timely to return calls. Um, There were the the biggest stress that i personally faced was from the rescue groups that wanted dogs that were turned down and it it wasn't and i i don't i don't know if turned down is the accurate word but the hsus decided to not include them for whatever reason that was way above my pay grade But there was was a lot of hurt feelings from other groups, and um, for whatever myriad of reasons, it, it did create some tension with the HSUS because you know, somebody like called and reported Kindness Ranch and said, Why are you working with them? and gave them a copy of a USDA report from like 10 years ago, long before I was ever involved, and you know, so. I had a couple of phone calls and I said, well, have you seen our recent USDA reports? We've been at 100% compliant for three years now and are just continuing to get better. And they went, well, we know, but we have to do this. So there was a little bit of stress involved in that aspect. But every time I went out there and every time somebody needed help or even if I needed help, Everybody that was invited to be involved were fantastic people. They were absolutely amazing to work with. And to help us with our last group of dogs that we got, uh, we hired additional transporters. And um, there were people that had other rescues that just volunteered their time to meet us there and transport dogs all the way to Wyoming for us. It was amazing. And it, it really did feel like a small neighborhood connected by long driveways, so to speak. You know, we, people from all over the country really did come together and work really hard to make this happen.
0: There must have been so many emotions swirling around in everyone's head during this rescue, including yourself. But yet, when you were picking up the dogs from Invigo you had to leave all emotion out of it. I know all the feelings that would have been going through my head just seeing that facility. And I think it takes a certain kind of strength to kind of hold the emotion back. But for the sake of the dogs, you have to.
1: There there was always that underlying feeling that, you know, you you were definitely... And I'm sure all of the staff and the lawyers and the management of Envigo, they felt like the enemy was coming in onto their property. And we felt like we were in enemy territory. But with all that being said, all of the interactions with the people and everything, I never had a negative one. It was set up to where Envigo staff were, were kind of kept separate and the invigo staff would hand off a dog to an h s u s worker who would verify the tattoo, do a quick temperature check, and make sure that the dog was healthy enough to travel hand off the dog to me, and I'd put the dog in the van and it was it was not until after leaving the property that all of the emotions had to come out and there there were several times that that my wife and I would just look at each other and start crying across between happy tears and angry tears, and it it made for uh, an adrenaline filled drive all the way back home. <laughs> it, it was it was really intense. And then we would be in the back with all of these dogs and we were were trying to like clean cages and top off waters and it's really cramped quarters and we're just moments away from just snapping and yelling at each other and then one of us would grab a dog and start petting it and calm down and it it was really fun.
0: You've been part of many research dog rescue operations since you've become the director at Kindness Ranch. How would you say that this experience, compared to all of those, did this feel any different?
1: It felt like there was a purposeful detachment. The facilities that I I typically rescue animals from, I've developed over time a relationship with these facilities. I I can call them and I know who to ask for. I, I know who to talk to. I... I know what pets they have at home I know what schools their kids go to they're they're not friends but we're friendly and this this one wasn't like that uh, we we didn't see the same faces we didn't build any relationships or anything like that it was it was very cold and, and sterile in times but at the same time, as I just said, everybody, everybody kind of knew their place, what their, what their duties were. And it, it became kind of a conveyor belt. We knew that we were dealing with, with sentient beings. We knew that we were dealing with, with lives that were coming out of a really, really unfortunate situation and environment. But it, again, it, it, the emotions didn't hit until we were off the property because it it was just such a, a machine.
0: So we've been talking mostly about human emotion here, and I'm wondering how the dogs you dealt with coped with everything. Did any of the dogs that you took in suffer from any illnesses or emotional trauma?
1: We were fortunate that we didn't have any that were ill when we got them. Senator, uh, William Stanley, Bill Stanley, I don't know if you've talked with him or not, but, um, he told me that the first time that he went to Invigo, there was close to 10,000 dogs on property and that he could walking through the facility, there was you could see the front rows of the dogs jumping up and down in their kennels trying to get attention and the ones that had been there a little longer, more traumatized and pushed to the back. And I don't know how the the behavior dynamic happens in, in the kennels that are so overpopulated like that. But uh, my, my pure speculation is that a lot of the dogs that we've got that came out first were probably the more outgoing ones that were easier to handle and and move off the property and travel across country because I know they took a lot of the moms and puppies and kept them on the east coast but um when we got our third group they were much more shy and withdrawn and traumatized we had one that was in foster because she was so traumatized that even being around other groups of dogs on the property at kindness ranch, she, she wasn't thriving in her new life whatsoever. So we put her immediately into foster with actually, um, one of our, uh, veterinary technicians that works with us and, uh, thankfully it was a foster fail and she just did the adoption paperwork at the beginning of the month. <laughs> so it, it ended up being successful and, and little Lena is going for nice long walks and enjoying life now. But For the people that aren't familiar with Kindness Ranch, our dogs and our caretakers live in what we call a crate-free home-like environment. And when we have larger populations of dogs, we do crate them occasionally. The dogs that find comfort and security in crates and are are most comfortable and willing to to um, interact that way, they have access to the crates. But we we try to eliminate cages from their existence entirely because all of our dogs come out of cages in terrible situations. But like the Invigo dogs. They've, they didn't run on grass before. They have didn't hear music. They don't know the sound of sirens, blenders, the refrigerator door opening. They don't know all of those smells. And, and it's our philosophy that since we have the room and the ability to do this, that instead of the dogs coming straight from in vigo and immediately into foster care where they're not quite ready for that transition we have them live with our caretakers in small apartments on our property. And our caretakers go out in the morning and start making breakfast, brew a cup of coffee. And these dogs be gradually become desensitized to all of these new experiences. And some dogs, it takes them six months to a year to really become desensitized to all of that. And some never do, but our caretakers spend so much time with these dogs and learn their personalities so much that it allows us to really, really narrow down what type of home that these dogs should be going into. I've seen in a number of the foster groups and in Vigo Rescue Groups on Facebook that some of these people have taken these dogs in, they've had them for a couple of months now, and they're just at their wits' end because the dog may not have been ready for that immediate shock to, to its poor little brain and coping with all of that. These dogs never were taught these coping skills. The only life they knew was fighting for food and attention. And now they're showered with both. And on top of that, they have dog doors. They have other dogs that they've never met before. The sound of big thumping stereos driving by their house at all hours of the night. and There's a lot of sensory overload there. And that can result in, I don't want to say failed adoptions, but, but people adopting these dogs with the greatest of intentions, but just not being fully prepared for the, the rehabilitation that's required. So that's where Kindness Ranch, we're not in a hurry to adopt out our dogs. They can stay with us as long as required to be able to successfully place them in a home.
0: Let's talk about Uno, who has already been so kind as to introduce himself. You adopted Uno, the very first beagle out of Invigo, and that's a pretty special milestone. What was it about Uno that you connected with? I mean you weren't looking to adopt a dog that day or even during this rescue.
1: No, no, not at all. You know, it was kind of funny. I, as I said, I had met with the Washington Post reporter, Lizzie, the night before. And she, she really wanted to make it a point that she knew who got the very first dog. And as luck would have it, it it was us. And I when I put him in the crate, I slid the crate directly behind the passenger seat in the van. I knew I was going to be in the passenger seat when we left the property, so I'd be able to keep a, a close eye on his crate, and I wouldn't get him mixed up with the other dogs when we were coming back. And the drawback on that was knowing that his crate was right behind my seat. It was really easy for me to reach behind my seat and scratch him through the gate and give him treats and make sure that he was doing okay. And I called Stephen Lee, our companion animal manager here at kindness ranch. And I said, this dog is pretty special. I said, you better make sure that whatever home he goes to is of the 0.001% upper tier home. And cause you know, you have to make sure that he goes to the best home possible. You know, this dog is, he's going to be followed for a long time and we we took him out of the van when we got back to wyoming and <laughs> put him in his his kennel in our intake area and he he just come walking right out and looked at me and started licking my face and i was like oh little man oh man i was I was like okay you know you you've got to stay in here and you know get your get your medical checks we'll we'll see how this goes in about 5 days and as as soon as he was through with all of his meds and everything and, and got a clean bill of health my my wife was out and I walked over to my house and I grabbed all of my other dogs and I took them to our canine corral, which is our meeting area where we do introductions to potential adopters and whatnot. And I, I called Steven and I asked him to bring Uno out. And it was, it was like he had always been my dog. And all of the other dogs took to him immediately. And I, I just took him home. I said, okay, well, I'm going to foster him for a little bit. And that lasted all of about 12 hours. And Amber, Amber, my deputy director out here, when I went to work the next morning, she had all of the adoption paperwork drawn up. And she was like, do you want to just sign for him now? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do. And, you know, it was, it's been very bittersweet because my wife, Katie, she absolutely fell in love with a little beagle about a year and a half ago that came to us out of a facility. And this poor little girl was, she was nine months old and pregnant when we got her out of a testing facility in a Southern state. And Katie absolutely fell in love with this little girl. And our, our last trip to virginia we got the phone call that little jane passed away she wasn't even two years old yet it was just our our heart sank and we were we were driving back we were halfway through iowa when we got the phone call that jane was found passed away in our backyard and the entire staff at kindness ranch just dropped everything they were doing and and they knew that we were going to be back in less than 12 hours with a group of dogs. And we, we agreed that we weren't going to talk about it as we were unloading the dogs because it was supposed to be a happy day. And I was so concerned that we were still riding such an amazing high from rescuing all of these dogs from Invigo and Uno being in the house, that it would be a constant reminder of her losing jane and it was i didn't want her to knowingly or not build up any resentment to the new dog in the house when she had just lost hers and it's amazing because she is more attached with uno now than i think that she ever dreamt that she could be I'll wake up in the morning and she's not snuggled next to me. She's snuggled next to Uno, rubbing his belly, and and it's it's amazing.
0: (laughs) So Uno was like a gift, maybe when you needed one most.
1: I think so. I, I think so. It was it was the universe's way of putting all of the pieces in place, and I I don't know what it is about Uno that allows him to have adjusted to a new life so amazingly well. And it wasn't overnight by any means, but there was always this like spark of curiosity in his eyes. And, you know, if, if you look at the media on or the social media for kindness ranch, you see, Uno riding around with me in a side by side, you see him riding around in a tractor with me or in the truck. Um, we just posted a picture. We were having a manager's meeting in the office a couple of days ago, and Uno was standing on his back legs with his nose up on my office desk, staring at people. <laughs> and he's, We took him to a fundraiser at, literally in the middle of downtown Denver, Colorado, and he was surrounded by thousands of people that were wanting selfies with him, and he just absolutely loved all of the attention. Now, if there was a dog like Jane, for example, we took Jane to a legislative summit in Denver before she passed. And we could only be there for about an hour, hour and a half before she got too overwhelmed with all of the stimulus. And we we ended up having to leave early, which there's no problem with. And we decided right then and there that she probably doesn't thrive in those environments. Well, Uno is the exact opposite. And when when you have a dog that really, really thrives in meeting new people and experiencing new things and feeling safe and confident in those new environments, it, I I don't want to say we would be doing more harm than good by keeping him from them but if he loves that stimulation and that enrichment that it provides he's a fantastic ambassador for kindness ranch and he's like i refer to him as my proof of concept that dogs can come out of these facilities and continue to have normal lives where they thrive and can really send the message that we should be saving all of these dogs
0: Yes, and Uno is such a poignant example of that. His desire to interact with people is almost like Uno's spirit was healed just from interacting with all the people that wanted to be around him.
1: That's a fantastic way of putting it, yeah. And we've... um... I I don't remember what we called him in our most recent social media post. He was like director of fun or the ambassador of fun at Kitness Ranch. because We've had people that have driven here from Salt Lake City and from Denver. We had a family just last month that came all the way from Salt Lake City on a family scavenger hunt before the new year. And one of them was quested to get a selfie with Uno which I thought was just hilarious. So they they literally drove all the way out here, spent a weekend with us, and they said, we have to fulfill the scavenger hunt. Can we get a selfie with Uno? <laughs> it was, it, it's kind of funny that, you know, he's become this accidental little celebrity. It's really cute.
0: I know Kindness Ranch has grown in popularity over the past few years, because of some high-profile rescues like this one and all the media coverage. How long is your waiting list to adopt a Beagle for someone listening who may be interested?
1: Right now, the list is still considerably long. I think we're about 300 deep in a waiting list. But I don't want that to deter anybody from applying, because what happens more often than not... Like the dogs that we have right now, I think we only have five or six that are really truly ready for a home. And um, we run into the all too common event of people putting in an application, not just with us, but with a number of other rescues. And when we finally call them three months later to see if they're still looking for a dog. They've already found another dog and didn't let us know. So their name was still on the waiting list. Uh, When we just started calling people again, two weeks ago, because our dogs are finally becoming ready. And our list went down from 700 to 300 and it did it in a matter of a week. So people should absolutely continue to, apply email and and constantly ask because if if we know that you're ready and we have a dog that is a good fit we're to the point now that our waiting list becomes more of a first come first serve we'll just call and the first people that can show up can can come on out and we'll introduce you to your new family member I don't know when this is going to go out, but between now and the beginning of December, I'm going to be traveling to two different states and securing the release of, I think, a total of another 120 beagles, so or thereabouts. So we will have more beagles going into the new year for sure.
0: This podcast episode is dedicated to Sweet Little Jane the Beagle, your life on earth was brief, but in the end, filled to the brim with love. Thanks for listening to Dog Research Exposed. Check out our website at www.dogresearchexposed.com for more resources and actions you can take to help dogs in research laboratories today.